Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. On today's podcast, I can't wait for you to meet Casey Aurority, who is just a breath of fresh air. She just brings so much realness and rawness to every conversation we have. And I always appreciate just really talking about things from the heart. So let me share a little background on Casey Aurority. She has her master's in education. She is a facilitator of growth and development. Her work is all around helping parents discover the purpose of their journey while also providing them with tools and a shift of mindset that allows them to deepen their relationship with themselves and their families. Casey is a certified coach as well as a positive discipline trainer, and she has an amazing podcast called Joyful Courage. You should check out all of Casey's podcasts, mini summits, online classes, individual coaching offers at joyfulcourage.com. And she has also a great book out called Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey, which was published in 2019. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I'd love to begin by asking you, what does self-care mean to you? And what does it look like as a mom, as a businesswoman, you know, as someone who's doing it all? Doing it all. Yeah. Uh, Self-care to me is really tending to my soul and Mm -hmm. really creating a deep relationship with the parts of me that often get pushed aside because of what comes up as a mom and as a business person and as a human in this life. Um, I like to think of self-care as soul care. That's the language that I use around it. And it's really taking time for me to be quiet so that I can hear what is really being requested and offered inside of myself and kind of quiet down the chatter so that I can tune into that. Cause I think it's, it's something that as moms, I mean, there's a lot of chatter going on, but it's not Mm -hmm. happening in our own heads. It's happening all around us. And then we create our own chatter. And so to have a practice where we get to be quiet and really listen to what it is that we actually need, um, I think is really, really powerful. I love that 
uh, framework of soul care and that slowing down to listen to, and it sounds like this deep honoring of your needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, how do you get to honor those needs? Being a mom who's, as you said, there's multiple mouths around you and noise. <laughs> and it's like, how do you get to carve out that time to mm-hmm. hear yourself? Or how do you stay committed to that soul care time? Yeah. Well, I think it looks different. You know, my kids are 15 and nearly 18 and right now it's really easy. I mean, my discipline right now is simply around when I get up in the morning and it's not hard because I get to make my coffee and I get to plug in my twinkling lights and there's a lot of ritual around my soul care time and my kids don't get up like they're nowhere to be found. And when they do wake up, they're not seeking me out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that for me right now, where I'm at on the parenting journey, it's not, I've created a system for myself where it's just a part of my morning routine. Now, people that are listening with younger kids thinking that must be real nice. I get you. I see you. I was a mom who both, you know, our kids co-slept with us. They nursed for a long time. Like the needs were there and constant all the time. And so when I work with parents around making this time, creating this time, finding this time, you know, it might look like inviting your kids into the space with you. It might look like nursing a baby while dedicating 10 minutes to listen to your podcast, Wade, to listen to one of your meditations. And just, I think it's like this ongoing opportunity to accept what you can do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I know that sometimes I get into mischief when somebody does wake up, you know, on the weekends, if I'm starting my soul care a little bit later and, you know, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm listening to a meditation and one of my kids comes in and is like, Hey, you know, it's the initial thing that happens inside of me is like, God damn it. Can't they see (laughs) meditating right now? Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, and that at that moment, I get to either decide to give a signal like, Hey, I'm doing this thing right now. Or I get to decide to maybe put the ear pods away for a few and connect with my child. But I think the biggest piece with that is just not being attached to the perfect situation, especially when you have other people in your life who are (laughs) young, Mm -hmm. who just are unaware, you know, Mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And so always looking for that opportunity to either invite them in or release that perfection idea, or, you know, just get getting really creative, Mm -hmm. getting really creative. It's funny you you say that, and it brings me back to this image of you know my mom was a big meditator. She was somebody that really modeled practicing self care. She'd get up in the morning and go first. We used to have a pool in our building in New York City, and she would go downstairs swim. And I remember specifically there was kind of a stream where I guess she was more in a consistent morning meditation kick and. I remember waking up, going into the living room and seeing her sitting there and being like, what is my mom doing? She's so weird. And I'd be like, mom, mom. And she wouldn't answer. And then like, try to like climb on her and get her attention. And, you know, I now see in hindsight, right. That that was kind of like 
her practice and mindfulness practice to stay present as I'm like climbing on her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That is for moms. Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, we go to the gym, like going to the gym and working out is building muscle so that we can be out in the world doing the things that we want to do. And I think when I realized that taking care of myself, having soul care, that is my going to the gym. And what I'm going to the gym for with that is building the muscle to be able to pivot, to be able to find flexibility, to be able to notice when my fear is triggered. I mentioned I have teenagers and something really special happens when your kids become teenagers, fear (laughs) arrives. (laughs) Oh my God. And so being able to be mindful enough to recognize that like that hit that, that moment where we are no longer connected to our center Mm -hmm. and to be able to come back so that I can be as non-judgmental and present and connected to myself and my kids in those, especially in those tense moments, that's actually going to influence the outcome of whatever the situation or experience is that I'm having with my kids. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that you're emphasizing the importance of mindfulness and self-care or soul care, as you call it, because I think a lot of the time people can just box self-care as just checking, checking a box like, oh, I did my workout. Oh, I did my meditation practice. Oh, I did my journaling practice. And it's just these activities. But when in reality, it's this deeper practice of awareness, of tending, of of strengthening this internal muscle to stay flexible, to stay more present to have more equanimity, to be able to connect to center, because as we know, life gets really chaotic and at hand. I'm curious, like how with your soul care practice, so I know, you know, this last year, 2020, your husband went through, was diagnosed with cancer and um, went through a stem cell transplant. And I'm curious, like if you didn't have your soul care practice, what do you think would be different? (laughs) Well, and it's interesting because I am, so I work with families. I work with parents, mostly Mm -hmm. moms, but some dads. And I make a big point of talking about this and the importance. Like when I think about the scaffolding of creating the home and the Mm -hmm. family that we want at the very base is personal growth. And personal growth to me exists, like you can't not take care and tend to the soul if you want to grow. And so I talk about it a lot. Um, On top of that is building relationship. And then we get into like strategies and tools, which are all great, but empty if the other pieces aren't in place. So what 2020 offered me was an opportunity to like, really walk my talk, Mm. right? I mean, I sit with people in their pain and in the challenges that are showing up inside of their families and support them in how to be with the unfolding. And then, yeah, April 4th, 2020, I was sitting in a hotel room in Seattle while my husband went under, you know, a six hour spine surgery where they removed a massive tumor, which we, and we didn't know what it was. And in that, I remember, you know, that day I was alone and 
I really, and it was interesting because it wasn't hard. It wasn't like, come on case, like stay out of the negative and stay, you know, it just was who I've become, you know, is somebody who's like, okay, this is what I know. And there's a variety of possible outcomes here. And he's, you know, with the most, the top rated humans of, you know, surgeons, I watch a lot of Grey's Anatomy too. So, you know, I felt like I had a kind of an insider's, (laughs) um, you know, I, I just was present in the moment. I just stayed in the moment. And, you know, that doesn't mean that my mind didn't wander into some scary territory, but it's like, I, to me, it's pointless to go there, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's just pointless to sit in doom and gloom when I only have the information that I have. Mm -hmm. And so as the, you know, as things unfolded and he came out of surgery and then it was a while before we got the diagnosis, it was a couple of weeks. Um, and you know, and then hearing multiple myeloma, which are two words that I had never heard before, but I knew it was bad. And then making the mistake of Googling it, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, it never was, WebMD it. I know I knew it and I just couldn't keep myself from doing it. And then even then it was like, I can remember mm-hmm. the light in the room when I looked it up and the feeling in my chest, because it was not great prognosis. Um, but again, coming back to breath, releasing the tension in my body, like recognizing when I was moving into that place. And your, your question was what might've happened if I didn't have this practice? And I don't even know. I mean, like I would have been a nightmare. I mean, I fear terror, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how my kids would have navigated it without the model that we, my husband and I both brought. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how it, I don't know how it would have happened. However, maybe I do because it was interesting when I was in conversation with people, um, noticing I, I could tell you probably who of the people I know have a deep self-care soul care practice and who doesn't, Mm. because the ones who do, who do, I'm guessing are the ones that were able to be with me in a way that allowed me to be okay versus there were other people who were, you know, I'm sure slid right into, oh my God, if this were to happen to me and oh my God and fear and terror. And I found myself having to take care of them Mm -hmm. over the phone, which I was like, and I'm not going to be picking up Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you call anymore because this is not useful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that was a little glimpse into how I could have navigated it, but that was never an option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't want to live in that world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, being a cancer survivor and that was my big wake up call was not only when I was going through my own journey of six months of chemotherapy, but in the midst of that, losing my mom and, and that same kind of thing, it was just like, your mind can so easily go off into the doom and gloom and it, it fucking went there. Well, you it, were young. Like, did you, ha- did you have a practice? Like what was your, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And plus I, let's remember too, I'm not the one who has, is battling cancer. I'm the caregiver too. Totally. So. But that has a big role and importance in your, you know, you're in your 
own experience when being the caregiver. And I was the caregiver with my mom and then the diagnosed person. So I can kind of understand both roles a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I had a practice of working out. I was already a Pilates teacher at that point. But when I got diagnosed, that was really when I said, I want to deepen my meditation practice Mm -hmm. because I knew I needed something to keep me grounded and centered and something to help calm the anxiety in my body. And, you know, to your point of just like having that stillness really allowed me to think more clearly Mm -hmm. and not be as reactive. And especially when I was sick, I was living in New York City and the pulse of New York City, which I used to love that, that like shit used to put pep in my step and like love, like, you know, wearing my cowboy boots tromping down the streets, but it became so overwhelming that it's like, Mm -hmm. I needed something to counteract that Mm -hmm. energy. And I look back and I'm like, if I didn't have my meditation practice and my like consistent self-care and soul care, I would have crumbled. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where my passion for like supporting people in this realm, not, I think, I know this is where my passion comes. And, you know, I think a lot of people luckily don't face that kind of trauma or experiences in their life, or it doesn't happen till later in life. And so it's like, how do you feel having this, having a soul care practice is actually a role model. You brought that up earlier about being a role model for your kids, but how do you feel that what you're teaching is like invaluable, what you're demonstrating, walking the talk is invaluable to your kids who, yes, just face this trauma of their dad being diagnosed, but, um, you know, are still young on their own journeys. Right. Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I, I'm very aware and, and I have a platform too. And, you know, one thing that has come out of this is like, oh, good. What I teach works yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hooray, you know, if I'm going to show up, like there's been so many gifts, um, inside of this experience. And that is, that's absolutely one of them is that the work that I put out in the world tracks and it, it can, it can stand even when the worst things happen. And, um, absolutely the kids, you know, I, I don't hide away when I'm taking care of myself. I don't apologize for taking care of myself. Mm. You know, both my kids have their own relationships with self-care. I think my daughter more than my son so far, you know, she's real aware of how, tending to herself impacts her mental health and well-being. Um, but also, you know, you saw, you know, I wrote, I have written, I continue to write mm-hmm. on a site about Ben's journey for our family and our friends and keeping people informed. And, um, and I'm pretty transparent just around and unapologetic around, you know, these are the gifts and these are the blessings and this is what's going on and we're okay. And, you know, it's interesting again, I, um, it's interesting when people, the response sometimes is like, you know, it's okay to fall apart and it's okay. Like, it's almost like my 
way of being inside of this is a little triggering to people. Mm. Um, and it's not to say that I, again, that I don't have like moments where I'm like, Oh my God. Or days where I'm kind of pissed at everybody or, Mm -hmm. you know, like all of that exists. And that's just not where I live. That's Mm -hmm. not where I live. And, you know, and even those days are opportunities for me to model what it looks like to say, wow, I've been kind of a bear, you guys. And I'm so, I'm sorry. And here's what I'm doing to take care of myself. And here's where I need help. And, um, but yeah, I feel like not only is, is it a model for my kids, but you know, inside of my community, I don't hold this story back. I Mm -hmm. I've been sharing it. And I think it's really important for people to see that there are multiple ways to be with life unfolding and it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to always be really, you know, negative. And I don't want to say victim-y because I mean, we are a victim of cancer. It is happening to us, you know, Mm -hmm. and does that mean we have, everything has to be shitty? No. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, one of the things I'll just share that you modeled for me in your experience was really asking for help. You were not ashamed of asking for help. And I you know, that can be a big stigma for women, especially mm-hmm. in this modern day age of this, like we can do everything by ourselves, right? We're tough. We're this like Rosie, the riveter, go get it. We don't need men independence. And like, we can't do it alone. We need our community. We need our mm-hmm. tribe. And I really appreciated you modeling that. And to me, that's a form of self-care too, is you reaching out and saying like, I need help. Who can help yeah. me with these things? Yeah. And, and, that and that's, I got fear. from a book. <laughs> I actually, well, great. In one of the books that I read, there was a whole chapter about that. Like people want to help, but what drove me nuts is when people would text me and say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. It's like, cause that is just more emotional labor for me. Mm-hmm. Like Ugh. totally. And so, and, and I love all you people. If you're listening, like, thank you. I understand where your heart is. And just, you know, I had the one friend who was like, I'm bringing you a meal tell me the best day, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, with no, like, what do you want? What can I make? Like, she just was like, this is happening. And, and so, yeah. So when I was, and then, you know, everybody wants to help and they don't know what to do. So yeah, I was just unapologetic about send us a whole foods gift card. Mm -hmm. That's what, if you want to help, this is what send us money Mm -hmm. because it's also COVID. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. as far as like, come over and clean our house or even the food thing is even also a little shaky, especially with Ben's immunity. So yeah, thank you for acknowledging that it felt weird. And it was also like, I know you want to help. And it was amazing. It's been amazing. Like old high school friends mm. that like guys that I went to high school with who I, you know, every once in a while we'll see on Facebook who, you know, shout out to Todd Hesford and Shane Milkey, both of them sent me $500 and was just like, wow, I see you. I'm reading your updates. Let me know if you need anything else, like really generous. And, you know, to lift that piece out of the experience and not because so many of us, you know, when cancer hits, it's like, not just the physical experience, it's the financial experience. Mm -hmm. And we've been really blessed with great insurance. And so I'm super privileged there and just a community that's really shown up. So 
What advice would you give to, I'm going to ask kind of both because okay. I think most of our listeners are not yet moms. I think they're okay. on their journey to one day becoming a mom. And then there are also definitely listeners who are moms, but what advice would you give to people who are not yet, we'll say parents to be more mm -hmm. inclusive, mom or dad or whatever they want to call themselves. Um, as to what they can practice now in terms of self-care and soul care that can prepare them for the journey of parenting? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a great question. One, one little thing, I don't yeah. want to, you know. Well, parenting is trial by fire. Like that's the first thing. Anything you think you know, or think, you know, are sure that it's gonna be like, like just throw that out the window because once, until you're in it, like you just, you just don't know how it's going to feel until you're feeling it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but as far as like preparation, I think any, you know, the great thing about your listeners, Wade, is they already have one foot into the work, right? If you're meditating already, hallelujah, and keep doing it. Um, and really do it with the intention, like we're talking about of hearing yourself and recognizing what's coming up for you and personal, as much personal growth as you can seek out and be a participant in the better, because I'll tell you what, you do not realize how deeply your conditioning lives and how, mm -hmm. how triggered you can become by another human being until you're face to face with a toddler. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's all of a sudden, all the things you said you'd never say, and all the things you said you'd never do are right there. And we shoot from the hip. Mm -hmm. So I think meditation, soul care, I'm a big journaler, you know, the more that we can be in that practice. And also as you, if you're listening and you're pregnant or, be, you know, trying to get pregnant or really in those early years, just be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you currently have like a two hour soul care practice, like be content with 15 minutes or five, you know, mm -hmm. like just any opportunity to practice flexibility is going to serve you on the parenting path for sure, because it requires some pretty intense flexibility. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I want to highlight two things you said, yes to self-compassion, like being able to practice that kinder self-talk now before becoming a mom. I can imagine that is, that is key because I hear about all of this mom shaming that happens and, you know, we're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing that to ourselves. And the, you know, just whatever else gets brought up, but we can be our worst enemy instead of our best friends, unless we're changing that dialogue internally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that practice. And a great resource for that is um, checking out Chris, Dr. Kristen Neff's book, Self-Compassion mm -hmm. um, is a really beautiful book people can listen to. And um, the other one, and you mentioned this earlier, is a practice of acceptance, like mm -hmm. to not be attached to it looking perfectly. Right. Oh, and I listen. Yeah. And that flexibility. And the more we can practice that now without yes. having kids and having other mouths to feed and other schedules to manage, right. The more I can see that being a huge resource down the road. Yeah. Because I think we all, 
I mean, I'm older than you, Wade, and maybe older than some of the listeners. And we might come into parenting. And I think like the millennials are really modeling what it looks like to be open and letting their our kids have full self-expression. And I would also say like, don't fool yourself into thinking that you don't have a narrative. Mm. you know, because we all are holding a narrative for how it's going to look, how it's going to play out. It might not be front of mind, but it'll show up once it's challenged. And then, you know, I know for me, in my experience, that was in the teen years, big time. Mm. And, you know, and then it's a matter of acceptance. It's a matter of letting go. It's a matter of remembering that our kids are sovereign beings Right. And I have friends like I, I have a really one of my really good friends, her daughter's six months older than my daughter. And the first year of her daughter's life, she cried, mm. not the mom, the baby. Mm. Right. And so like, you don't know how it's going to be. And there's a lot of examples of like bliss and ease and delight and falling in love with being a new parent. And there is that acts absolutely exists, but to hold that as the norm and Mm -hmm. as the, all the time really does a disservice. It is hard. It Mm -hmm. is hard to be a parent. I remember watching, there was an Oprah special about it was called the myth of motherhood. And I remember Rowan was a baby and, you know, because everybody around you was like, oh, isn't it the most amazing thing? And I remember thinking to myself, uh, no, it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't have super big challenges. It just was hard. So I don't really know where I was going with that. Other than but like, I think, well, I think it's get excited. Both, no, it's good because I think, you know, there's been a shift in the last year or two about not sugarcoating motherhood and parenthood mm-hmm. uh, and it not just being this Instagram shiny thing or what, you know, you show in the movies of just a woman, like three pushes and the baby's out and like, you oh, know, God. like four right. and a half hours and right. the baby was out. Like let's, that was my and story. That, and that time. sounds, <laughs> and that sounds like not that much time compared to other stories I've heard of like 40 hours in labor and well, so, 40 hours in labor, but four and a half of it actively pushing. pushing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So it's just like that, the ability to pop that bubble yeah. of, of perfection, I think mm-hmm. is, is, um, really grounding, you know, and helps us stay present and not yeah. get into the expectations. I have a little side note. Can I give us a little PSA? So something that's really been bugging me lately is the idea that a glass of wine at the end of the day is Mm self-care. I think that moms are being targeted and have been for a long time around, like you can't, you know, everywhere you look, there's this assumption, like it's wine 30 or been a tough day, getting ready to open a bottle of wine. And I think that it is a huge disservice. There's even a commercial that keeps coming up. My kids are like, okay. Cause every time it comes up there, it's like, I can't remember what the product is it's for, but it shows the mom in the shower. And there's this like plastic wine wine glass holder Mm -hmm. and the kids are, I'm like, oh my God, if you're drinking wine in the shower, you've got a problem. Like, <laughs> this is not okay. We don't need a multitask drinking yeah. and taking a shower. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just really, and that's not to say that, you know, adults shouldn't indulge responsibly, but let's like ease up on the idea that, 
you know, wine at the end of the day is taking care of our soul because it's mm-hmm. not, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a bandage. It it's an unhelpful coping strategy if that's yeah. what, right. And not to, yeah. it's not to shame, you know, anybody just be who honest. practices, practices yeah. that, but it's like, okay, maybe there could be a more helpful yeah. honoring ritual. Yeah. You or can before you move to that, maybe there's something else that happens beforehand. And actually even talking about it makes me want to have one, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's like, when you really start to want to feel good in your body, mm-hmm. like we get to be really honest about what it is that we're putting in our body, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So what sorry, piece- I had to go there. No, I really appreciate <laughs> that. Cause I I've it's definitely been a topic that's come up a bunch. What piece of advice would you give parents who have kids and about, you know, really creating that soul care time for themselves? Well, I would say, first of all, you know, and I have my own relationship with the time conversation, but I just want to say to you and to myself, like there is time there is time. It might require us going to bed earlier, right? So that we can get up earlier. Um, It might require us, or if we want to tend to self at the end of the day, it might require us turning off the TV and letting the hour before bed be a soul tending time. Um, And, you know, baby steps. There's so many resources. I love the insight timer app. That's my favorite. I know other people love headspace and there's other little things. I have this new thing on my phone. What's it called? Um, it's called the app is called I am, and it sends Mm. me mantras every Mm. so often on my phone. You know, there's so many, I love I have an iPhone, so I can set alerts and alarms on my phone at different times of day with different sounds. And I, I encourage my uh, parents that follow me to do this, to remember like, oh, in this moment, no matter where I am, like, I want to feel my feet on the ground. I want to check in on the tension of my body. How's my posture right now? What am I thinking about right now? And so giving myself the opportunity because if we're only using the muscles when things are really intense, we're going to keep showing up the way we've been showing up because like it's the emotion, when emotional, what does Krista always say? When the emotional content is really high, you know, logic is, has left the building. So we have to practice a lot. And she shared it. She shared a phrase of you can't swim. You can't learn how to swim in a tsunami. And I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. Exactly. Exactly. And I think about the metaphor, you know, we're in the Pacific Northwest. So when you go hiking, if you go on a popular trail, it's pretty worn down. And if you look around into the forest, you can see where the game trails are, right? Because there's a slight indent and you can see where the animals must go. Well, if you decided you know what, I'm not going to take this path anymore. I'm going to follow the game trail. You know, the first hundred times or more, you're going to be, there's a lot of obstacles. You're going to need a machete. Like it's the things you can't see, but if you continue and everyone else continues to follow that game trail, what happens is the old trail gets grown over and there becomes this new trail that gets ever easier to follow. And I use that metaphor when I support parents with mindfulness, because Mm -hmm. the more we choose it, like it's going to feel clunky and wobbly and weird, Mm -hmm. 
But if we can give ourselves the opportunity to use it over and over again, we're creating that neuropathway Mm -hmm. in the brain. And so instead of our instincts and our reaction being something, you know, angry, yeah, Mm -hmm. we can shift that. It takes time and it takes lots of practice, but it is absolutely positive and possible. Right. It's that neuroplasticity and that belief that that belief and the science behind our brain actually can change. And with our brain changing, we do have the ability to respond differently or take different actions. I think that's why the last year hasn't, it hasn't felt, I mean, of course it's been a lot of work. I'm actively choosing my way of being and it's not the first time down the path, you know? So it, it does feel ever more like a part of who I am to show up the way that I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that's great, um, advice and, and support of like, yeah, practice this shit before shit hits the fan, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. get it sure. into your muscles, get it into your repertoire, right? Learn those breaststrokes so that when the tsunami hits, cause it's going to hit in life I mean, oh, we're yeah. in a pandemic right now. Like, and, yeah. and <laughs> you know, that's on a global scale, but a personal thing might happen to you too. It might not be cancer. Um, but it, you know, it could be a death of a loved one. It could be mm-hmm. a loss of a job. It could be mm-hmm. anything. It's like really what is it that you ground into that, you know, can support you being more centered yeah. and, and showing up? It could be a screaming toddler in the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And, and the attachment to it not being perfect, I think is, I love emphasizing that and the ability of, okay, if it isn't even the morning or the evening space time, can it be those tiny transition moments Mm-hmm. that you set reminders for on your phone. That's just one breath of checking in. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the soul care, the listening, yeah. the connecting mm-hmm. inwards. Ah, oh, so good, Casey. Yay! I could love it. Um, <laughs> tell our listeners uh, where people can find you. Yay. Thank you. Um, you can find me at joyfulcourage.com is my website. I Hosts as well a weekly podcast at Joyful Courage, and you know find me find the show anywhere wherever you're listening to Wade you'll find me. Um, I'm on Instagram at Joyful underscore Courage. I'm on Facebook at Joyful Courage. I have a two different Facebook groups. One is kind of a more general group, Live in Love with Joyful Courage, and then not too long ago I realized. The parents of teenagers are not looking for support from parents of toddlers. So I made a whole new group for the parents of teenagers. So if you're listening and you have older kids like I do, you can join us over at Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens. And tell us about the summit that's coming up. Yay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I love putting on parenting summits. And this year, this quarter of Q1 of 2021, we are hosting a summit called Parenting for a Brave New World. And it's completely being inspired by the last year. So I've got five guests. We're talking remote learning. We're talking about adolescent health. Uh, we're talking about social justice parenting, financial literacy. And my final interview is actually about tending to the parenting soul. But it's five interviews. It's focused primarily, you know, the audience, it's really parents of tweens to teens, but anybody is welcome to register and listen in the, ugh, the guests are so amazing. I'm really, really excited. And that goes live February 1st 
through the fifth. And then the interviews are yours to keep forever. So amazing. Amazing. Well, check out all the resources and Casey's podcast is so much fun to listen to. She's, she is joyful courage (laughs) in a nutshell. Um, So thank you, Casey, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It was super fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. If you know of a great guest for our show, feel free to send an email to team at centeredinthecity.org or sign up for my newsletter at wade at wadebrill.com. And of course, you can always check out the Center in the City platform at centeredinthecity.org. Until next time, stay centered.